The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone, welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. My name is Jerry, and helping me bring these visions from Monsterlands, we have Mr. Venom. Greetings and salutations, listeners. We also have 10 out of 10 Derek. I'm finally back. He's back. He missed our Criterion episode, uh, which will shame him for later. But uh, someone who was there was the Don himself, Don. It's really weird saying the Don himself, on screonk everyone <laughs> uh all right we are we are back uh a little little delay since our last episode but it's not as bad as horror mafia so we're okay um how's everyone doing venom how you doing i am damn good buddy very excited about our new venture which i'm sure we'll speak about at the end of the episode tonight oh we will uh don how are you doing Swamped in screeners and swamp ass. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Derek, how you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good, man. You know, the, just record Cinema Attack last night, a two and a half hour show. It was pretty fun. Nice. You didn't sleep through it? No. Let's talk about this problem you have real quick. So uh, if you guys remember, we put out a nice little bonus episode where we kind of talked about the Criterion uh, Godzilla collection that's coming out. Uh, and... Um, so Derek was supposed to be on that show, but he fell asleep because he has sleeping issues. So shame on Derek. We love him, but he was asleep. Derek, would you like to give your impressions uh, of that Criterion release? Well, also, I had a cookout that day, so I was a little tipsy, too. So that helped with me sleeping. So non-professional. We got it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it was it happens a. Uh, you know, the Criterion release itself, I see where the issues are in it. For us Godzilla fans in general, it's not like the release that we want, per se, and how we would want it represented. And, uh, yeah, but, it, you know, with that aspect of it, too, Criterion uh, is a company that releases a lot of films like this beforehand, and these weird sets and you know the cliched thing and for the set it is it's okay for what it is but we're never going to be happy as godzilla fans in general releases you guys said it perfectly on the show none of the releases are perfect to the best of their abilities of what we want from them but uh you know i thought it was 
cool that it's a you know it's like a coffee table book and shit and you know it has some like cool liner notes and shit from Steve Rifle and shit. I, I I'm gonna enjoy that because I am buying it. I'm probably gonna wait for like one of those Barnes and Noble sales. I'm not gonna buy it right up at the prices. So am I the only person that... who pre-ordered it? I believe uh, so. I'm a yes. sucker. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just. You know, for the price that they're charging for it, and the way that it's packaging with like few films on each disc, uh, I yeah, I don't want to spend two hundred dollars on that or one hundred and sixty, or I want something like in the seventy nine range or something, which will probably be on the half off. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Uh, and yeah, you know what? Watching the film today, um, it made me really realize like we're never going to get the perfect collection we want because so many of these movies like you look at um just the movie we're doing today which you've seen from the title godzilla versus sea monster aka ebra horror of the deep um you know the kraken release uh you know has the original japanese version and then it has the international dub i am not a big fan of international dubs because they tend to be very boring and for some reason someone always has a really annoying voice i prefer the teacher dub or, you know, when it comes to other movies, I'm like, oh, well, I like the AIP version more. Those voiceovers, like, tend to have more, they're, they're fun, they're, they're, they're enjoyable, as where the international dub is just kind of boring. And even though it's more faithful to the source material, I got a little bored, because you know what? I decided for today's review, I was going to watch the international dub. I always, I've, I've always either watched the original Japanese version, or I've watched the teacher dub. Um, and I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch the international dub. Um, it was not a good choice. Uh, but you know what? I did it. Uh, I, I went through it for y'all, for the fans, so they would know. Um, yeah. Now, so yeah, we are doing uh, Ever a Horror of the Deep from 1966, which is, we're still in that same year for Ultraman too, which is pretty neat. Uh, a young man steals a boat to find his brother, but he and his shipmates become shipwrecked on a mysterious island inhabited by a giant sea monster and a slumbering Godzilla. Um, this is uh, director Jun Fukudo. Uh, this is his first fucking uh, Godzilla film. He'll, he ends up doing, what, five in total, I think? Uh, five. Yeah, five. Uh, yeah. Five. Um, so that's pretty dope. This um, one's, yeah, this one's son, I mean, Gigan, Megalon, and Mechagodzilla. Yeah, five. Yeah, uh, and this one originally started out as a King Kong movie. I'm sure a lot of people know that, but in case you don't, uh, a lot of the things you see, we will see in the movie, um, like uh, Godzilla sleeping in a cave, um, ugh, fucking being woken up by lightning, taking an interest in a female, all things of Kong. This was originally supposed to be fucking like Operation Robinson Crusoe or something like that, and it's supposed to be a King <laughs> Kong movie. Uh, and they just kind of switched out Godzilla for King Kong and then just didn't really do anything to, uh, I don't know, change parts of the story. Uh, yeah, it was basically a uh, control, like a uh, find and replace. Yeah, exactly. Every King, yeah, every mention of King Kong, they just replaced it with Godzilla's and said, mm -hmm. all right, film it. Yeah, exactly. And this is also our, our last time seeing Mothra for the Showa era. This is the first time that the the. I'm still haven't done destroy all monsters yet. The, oh, the... okay. Let me rephrase that. This is the first. This is the last time we see adult Mothra. The adult, yeah. True, I was just true, about to true that. Yes, yeah. Correct. Uh, thank you. 
Um, this is also uh, the first time we see the uh, little beauties not being played by the Peanuts. They are being played by Pear Bambi. So, <laughs> yeah. I'd... Also, technically, Ebra is a shrimp because his name, Ebby, means shrimp. I don't know if y'all knew Damn, that. Damn, that, that was my fact of the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, another... Okay, so uh, another fact that I looked at that I, I just can't really see it uh the giant condor in this movie supposedly is a reworked rodan suit i could not find yeah. an inch of rodan in that thing it's the flying model from the 56 version oh is that it's just a flying model that okay that could explain yeah. it yeah it's the flying one it's not the it's not the costume it's the flying prop that they used for the, it's the scenes when um he's being chased by the military oh yeah 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 uh, i got you yeah, it's the Rodan prop from those scenes. Yeah, it just got very covered up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or deterioration and rot and mold will do that. But yeah, it's the flying prop. It's not the costume. Because remember, the prop is actually based on Godzilla because it's Nakajima in the suit. So if it would have been the same size as Godzilla physics-wise. Mm -hmm. But it being so small is because it was the prop model from the from the flying scenes. Gotcha. You know what's funny about me taking your piece of trivia is I actually there was a piece of trivia I wasn't going to talk about because I thought you would talk about it, um, and that was the Godzilla suit for this. Um, halfway through the movie, Godzilla's yeah. head changes. Yeah, um, that, I was. Yeah, there's a, a reason for that. Um, Arakawa, the special effects director, confirmed that, that that was the last shot of the of the special effects footage, the uh, attack on the bamboo um, facility. Yep. But because the suit had been exposed to water for the duration of the running time, as well as being in the water in the tank because it was Jiris earlier in the year, the um, rubber on the suit had actually molded and deformed. So there's, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that in depth later on. There's a distinct change to Godzilla's eyes because the rubber's changed. But and you can also eyebrows. See... Holy shit, they yeah. raised his eyebrows. But there's an, another thing, too, when you watch him, when you see full-on views, you can also see pieces of the suit falling off. Yes. there. I think yeah. there's a scene where he's in the water and he lifts up his arm, and you can kind of see something dangling from his arm. No, Yeah, but there's also scenes during the destruction sequence when he's on dry land, and he's facing towards the camera. You can see strips of it falling off. <laughs> yeah, that's fun, yeah. Uh, okay, so we are going to get into uh, this one. Uh, now, I, I'm sure a lot of you, uh, like me, saw this on TV because this is one that was on TV all the fucking time. I remember watching it on the Sci-Fi Channel back in the day um, as Godzilla vs. Sea Monster, that teacher dub, uh, which I love. Uh, and then I know for me and Venom, we also saw this a lot as uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, which I am a huge fan of. It is my all-time favorite Mystery Science Theater episode. Yeah. Um, which, um, yeah, I, I have a little funny story speaking of that. Um, yeah, um, I've never seen that version, but I read the transcript with all the jokes inside. So I've tech. So when I watched it one the first time after I had all of the jokes in my head, but unfortunately because I didn't know who said what, it was just a complete transcript of all who of all that was said. All of the jokes were said in my voice rather than whoever said what on the episode. 
So it kind of was a rather dis- disappointing experience. Yeah, you got to watch the episode. The episode makes yeah. it funny. Uh, I know when you told us this early in your chat, I had I'd taken it the wrong way, and I thought you were like, this whole idea is dumb. Why would anyone want to do this? Uh, no, and then I yeah. realized you were like, no, it's not dumb. It's dumb because I'm the one doing it in my head. Yeah, because, uh, <laughs> like I said, it wasn't a transcript of who said what. It was just a transcript with all the jokes laid out. So all of the, it never specified who said what. So I, I didn't know who said what. So, you know, next time I'm watching it, all of the jokes play out in my head. And it's hmm. like, okay, yeah, I think this is supposed to be funnier. <laughs> it's a rock lobster. Uh, who's that? That, that Joel or? Uh, no, that was Crow, I believe. Crow, yep. okay. Yeah, Crow says that one. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna start this off with, uh, of course, what we love about this movie. Uh, Venom. I'm gonna let you go first. What did you? Also, uh, just because I'm not sure which one's our first time watches, is this shouldn't be a first time watch for you, right? You've seen this before. Yes, I have seen this one. I assumed as much. Uh, all right. What What did you love about this movie? Um, I actually, I, I'm probably going to, I don't, I don't know how popular this opinion is going to be, but this was actually one of my favorite human stories of, of any of the Godzilla movies that we've watched. It was, especially after coming off of Biollante, um, this story was just a lot less convoluted, much easier to follow. It had much more likable characters, um, I mean, in fact, I disliked almost no one in this film other than the people that are supposed to be disliked, the antagonists. Mm. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, I, I, I by the end of the movie, I was like, that was one of the most satisfying human stories. It's relatable, you know, helping people in need. Um, Getting locked even, in a cave by, to well, make squash <laughs> up lemons because of a terrorist organization. <laughs> Happened to me last week. Of course. But... Um, I just I felt like even though, you know, periodically the main group that we were watching would split up and we would have like two different scenes going on at once. I didn't think the story was hard to follow. I thought the flow was nice and organic. It You know, it felt natural. I mean, yeah, you know, as far as the kaiju action, you know, I may have a completely different opinion on it. But as far as the human element goes, I really, really enjoyed that about this movie. So far, my favorite of the Godzilla movies we've watched. So uh, much like your episode uh, for No Room in Hell, where y'all talked about favorite sequels and you Uh kept going controversial opinion and then you would say something almost everyone agrees with. (laughs) <laughs> Most people do actually, by the way, go check out that episode. It's fantastic. Derek's even on it. Um, most people actually do like this movie. It is it is one of the funner movies um, uh, for the human story and for Jun Fukudo's like, action. There are some purists that don't like it because of the drop in quality. But this is actually pretty fondly looked at. Um, speaking of fondly looked at, uh, Derek. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Uh, Venom. Did you watch the teacher dub? Did you watch uh, the link that Don gave you? I did not. I'm not sure what I watched. I found it on a file sharing app on my Fire Stick. And I found it as Ebra Horror of the Deep. But when I watched the movie, it it had the, the Sea Monster title card and it was in English. But as far as what dub... I listened to. I am not a hundred percent sure. I did, knew the file. The file did say Blu-ray 720p, so it came off a of Blu-ray. I just don't know which one. Do you re- remember uh, if uh, it sounded like the Mystery Science Theater episode or not? 
Uh, oh, God, it's been so long okay. since I did, watched that. Did one of the guys talk like this? Yes. Okay, you watched the international dub. Okay. Uh, so you watched the boring as shit one like I did. Uh, so guess what? I, if you ever watch the teacher dub, uh, like the link that Don put in the group, uh, which you can actually uh, you can download off that website. You, you can grab it and download it. Um, uh, that one uh, is the Kraken Blu-ray reconstructed using the teacher dub. Um, and the teacher dub is far more entertaining uh, voice-wise. Oh. So. I didn't have any major problems. Uh, there were two voices in the whole thing that I really hated. No, One... trust, no trust me. You're gonna be a, there's going to be a major difference. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be difference with translations and whatnot, but I mean, as far as the actual quality of the voices, you know, th there was that one voice that you mentioned from our uh, our group, our, our our four, you know, main yeah, guys. Yeah, it's the that guy that gets that actually gets captured and tells exactly. all the captives to throw away the lemons. Yeah, but then the even more annoying voice was the newspaper editor. Holy shit! I mean, thank God he only oh. had two lines in the whole movie, but they were <laughs> yeah. just awful. Yeah. Ah, if you <laughs> watch the teacher dub. It's uh, so much more entertaining, especially the voice for the um, the the guy that's the thief. Yeah. Oh my god, his voice is so because in this one it's not bad. It's just everyone's voice is kind of boring. A little bit, I can see that. Yeah. They, they sound bored just reading the lines in that dub. Yeah, they sound like they listen to our podcast. They're just so <laughs> bored. Um, okay, uh, Derek, what did you love about this movie? Well, I gotta agree with the characters, especially Takarada's character. I like that he's like an anti-hero in this film. Where he, when you first meet him, he's, he's a thief and stuff, and uh, he's you know he's like I don't want to be bothered and stuff. But he actually ends up you know helping these guys in a way because they're let's be honest, they're not like the brightest fucking group of kids ever. And uh, I like how he helps them and builds the character and solves problems and stuff. And I do dig that about this film. I, the characters are fun. And, and another thing with this characters that I, I really dig is you get to see, like, the main, like, military general dude that's in a lot of these Godzilla movies play a bad guy for once. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love uh, in the Mystery Science Theater, they make a, uh, a joke when uh, he's talking to the person above him on video, and the guy's like, because the, the people just escaped? And he's like, uh, and he says something along the lines of, uh, uh, you must be losing your, losing your sight. And the one of the guys in Mystery Science Theater go, I don't think that's funny, sir. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> awesome. And another side note, I do love that uh, the guy who plays Sarah Zauer has an eye patch on the different side of his eye. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome because he kind of reminds me of Christopher Lee in the Three Musketeers movies. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Don, what did you love about this movie? As always, I'm the music guy. Um, this isn't a traditional Lefukube score, but I thought this was a fantastic soundtrack. I love it. Um, it's, you know, more island-based, so there's, like, a different atmosphere, and there's, like, a tropical feel to it. But the action scenes are really fun and energetic, and I love Ibarra's theme. That is that is one of my favorite non-Godzilla themes. Yeah. So, uh, Masaru, 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 Masaru. Uh, Sato. He's a dude who usually actually does like music for uh, fucking Kurosawa. Uh, yeah, Kurosawa. Um, and he came in with this funky music in this one. I I have to agree. Yeah. I love the music in this. Uh, movie it is just so much fun 
Uh, there is one scene that the music doesn't fit, but we'll get to that in the in the negative. Yeah, I know uh-huh. what I mean. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for the most part, oh my god, this music is so much fun. I, I one of my favorite soundtracks by far, just yeah. for that fucking. Uh, yeah, Derek said I mean, it the best. It's a beat. It's it's like a mixture of Beach Party with James Bond. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, for me, I mean, like I said, Ibarra's main theme is one of my favorite non-Godzilla ones. But then also the sequence when they're first caught by the group and they're having the they're having the shootout where they're flying up the mountains, and you have that energetic like spy music that it's going on. Oh, that that's that sounds really good. Yeah. So okay. Uh, as for me, since character and uh, human stories already taken, Venom. Um, I actually really want to talk about uh, some of the special effects in this movie. Uh, a lot of the composite shots in this fucking film are fantastic, especially the shots on Infant Island. They mm. look so good. Um, and then uh, the special effects of them being underwater looks good. I love the transition. Uh, during the first fight scene with Ebera, uh there's this shot of Ebera pulling Godzilla under the water, and they actually show him underwater. Going underwater, they show a clip of the suit actually going down underwater. Then they transition to their uh, trick photography that just makes it look like they're underwater. It is just pulled off fantastically. Now, uh, Edgy Super Eye was not very hands-on with this movie because of his own company and Ultraman. Um, but he picked the right people to do this on budget because about the only special effects that looks terrible is the Condor. Um, but everything else looks really good, um, effects wise. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you can see some strings on the rocks every now and then, but you know, comes with the territory. (laughs) So, uh, okay. We will move on to what we did not like about this movie. Uh, Derek, what did you not like? Fucking prop Mothra looks like he got fucked by a duck. Okay, well, me and him had a very wonderful night, and uh, I feel disrespected that uh, you would call him that. That is how he looks when I'm done with him. I think he looks elegant, uh, rugged, uh, and a little bit like a little sloppy bitch. It looks like he has a duck bill. It kind of looks cheap. You can see, like, the legs look like just sticks hanging. Uh, (laughs) I I will say the fur on the wings looks pretty, pretty. His fur in general does not look nicely white. It is, uh, like, a taupe color at this point. Yeah, it looks like they just skinned some yaks and just threw it on. Someone needs to give Mothra a bath. (laughs) Well, that's the same one from 64. Uh, You know what? It's just dusty. So yeah. uh, well, I was actually talking about the up. one when they showed the close up. I'm talking about the one where they're all dancing. It's a different design. It's like it's a prop one that they put in the background because mm-hmm. when they show like a close up of it, it's like the one from '64. Yeah, the the one that's in action that you see that's the '64 one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where's that thing I wanted to bring up? Um, shit. Where is it? Fuck. Uh. Okay. I wanted to bring this up. I, I found this on IMDb. Contrary to popular belief, the adult Mothra that impil- appeared in this film is not the adult Mothra from Mothra vs. Godzilla. I'm not talking suits, by the way. I'm talking which, in-universe, which Mothra this is. Uh, but this made me think of it. I thought it was cool. So, contrary to popular belief, the adult Mothra that appeared in this film is not the adult Mothra from Mothra vs. Godzilla 1964. <sighs> 
It was the one that metamorphs from one of the larva Mothras that <sighs> appeared in Mothra vs. Godzilla 1964 and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster 1964. So, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. For the storyline, you know what I mean? If they're going in, like, continuity. Yeah, so, all right, Derek doesn't like the way Mothra looks. Uh, Don, what did you not like about this movie? <sighs> the human characters. Get the I, fuck out. I think, okay, whoever that main guy is, um, I think it's Rota or... Yeah. Yeah, Rota. He is the biggest fucker I've ever... He's one of the biggest fuckers I've ever met. Because he basically mar- strands them on the island with absolutely no provocation at all. So he goes out and he steals a boat with absolutely no intention of returning it. He to be fair, strands- he stole a stolen boat. But he doesn't know it's stolen. That's we know very it's- true. We know it's stolen because we know who the who he's with. Because, you know, we see all the interactions down in the cabin between um, the guy and the other crew members. But he basically abducts the, th- the four of them. He strands them at sea with no provisions, going who knows where on a trip around the world on a boat with no s- supplies or provisions to last a trip, however long it's going to last, and never notifies anyone of what's going on. He just stole some guy's boat that somebody was for all he knew was living on it and he's going around the world trying to find his brother with no plan at all counterpoint counterpoint it was a gift from the gods and you don't return a gift from the gods i thought the boat was completely stocked though with food it was it was stocked food yeah Uh, Yeah, but but stocking doesn't matter when it's destroyed in a fucking storm Oh sure, but, here, but here's the thing: he doesn't know where his brother is, so oh. how would he know those supplies are going to last him as long as his trip is going to take him? Right, to? right. But he knows where his brother's ship went down, so he yeah, has a he general know. idea. He has an idea. It's in the South Seas, but it's I in mean, the paper. Yeah, yeah, it's still a big place. Yeah, but you're still going to be. But I'm saying you're still going to be searching however vast amounts of land, and he never confirmed that all of those supplies would have been enough to actually do it. Let's also keep uh, in mind he's going off the fact that his mom has talked to a psychic a bunch, and the psychic says he's not dead. Right, right. right to, be, to, be, to, be, to be fair, also, uh, it's pretty, it is a gift of the gods because he ended up on Infant Island on a balloon, for Christ's sake. It's his yeah. second <laughs> gift from the gods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, okay, I, I will give you credit that uh, he mm-hmm. does do a lot of reckless shit and basically puts everyone in danger. For the sake of saving his brother and, and, and trading out three lives for one, not exactly a fair thing. Yeah. yeah. Right, but he didn't. His intention wasn't necessarily. First of all, his intentions were noble. I mean, as we've already said, he was looking for his brother. Second of all, I don't think his intention was to find his brother and then just abandon the other three. I don't, I don't think he was literally trading three lives for one. I think he was just... Well, I'm talking know. about putting them, putting their lives at risk. Oh, sure. Right. But he's putting I mean, he, he kidnapped three people. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the point. Well, te- technically right. one, because the friends were going along with him. Oh, no, no, no. He had just met well, them. They had oh. no idea that he was going to pull this kind of shit. Uh, all yeah. they knew is he wanted a boat. They didn't know him that he had to go find his brother. Oh, okay, I guess. And they were and they were worn out from three days of dancing. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Not 
not only that, everybody else is just as surprised as the robber is that they've set sail. So there's no sure. way that they would have known. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, they it's not as if they went along with him. It's just okay. Yeah, he's with us. But then what's this dipshit gonna do? Sure. I did. I did love that he disassembled the guy's weapon before he decided to take the boat out. <laughs> it broke. <laughs> it really was a toy, though, wasn't it? Or was it a real rifle? It was. It was a toy gun. It was a toy. Yeah, the guy used it in the robbery, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So. It's I mean, very I don't know. hard to get real guns in Japan. <laughs> I'm sure. But fake ones, you can get them all over the place. Sometimes they're they turn into robots, but they're all over. Eh, whatever. You know, um, okay, uh, Venom, what did you not like about this movie? Oh, boy. Well, here we go again. I'm, I'm going to say something that I think is unpopular, and who knows, it might not be popular, but... Uh, for all intents and purposes, I was thoroughly unimpressed with the kaiju action of this movie. I feel like we spent an hour of this film building up for the appearance of Mothra. And then all Mothra does is basically shows up, does a flyby against Godzilla, and then grabs the basket of Islanders and leaves. And it's yes. like, wow, we, this, was the, this is what we were building up towards for Mothra to basically be a fucking taxi. It's like, eh, I, I don't a, know. She's if a I'm bitch real... in this movie because she just fucking sleeps for like the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then she just decides to wake up. It's like, <laughs> your people have been in danger for a long ass time. You deciding to wake up at that moment, there was no real rhyme or reason to it, yeah, other she's... than other than okay. the islands finish their song. You know what, Venom? Mothra is a fucking god. Are you a god? Do you control a fucking island? Mothra gets to sleep whenever Mothra gets to sleep. She ain't worried about the lives of a few hundred fucking people that worship her. There's still tons of them still worship her. They didn't stop worshiping her. I think it's uh, pretty good that she's a uh, tyrant keeping these people in line. And oh. she does such a good job that they didn't even like go and like, maybe we should poke her with a stick. I mean, they've like taken like a hundred people by now. Like, we need to start jabbing her with a stick and get her to wake up. She has them fucking whipped into shape. She is the goddamn Joseph Stalin of fucking kaiju. Well, I was just about to say, if that's the case, then she's a terrible god. But you comparing her to Stalin is absolutely perfect. <laughs> so she's no longer queen of the monsters to me. Now she's a bitch that wakes up when she feels she, like she, it. She's the Mariah Carey of kaiju. Well, actually, to be fair, uh, in... In this movie, they actually call uh, call Mothra a uh, male. Uh, she's uh, so this is actually one of the boy larvas. So obviously, female Mothras are way better than male Mothras. Male Mothras are lazy; they fall asleep while listening to Iron Maiden because that's all they fucking do. Yeah, well, justify it all you want. I was disappointed with the kaiju action overall. Not just Mothra, too, but even the fight between Godzilla and Ebra. I mean, it was all of, what, like three minutes long? It's like Ebra had the upper hand at the beginning, then Godzilla has the upper hand at the end, then Godzilla has all four hands by the end of the fight. (laughs) Haha, pun intended. Greatest volleyball scene ever. Fuck Top Gun. It is all Uh. about volleyball in this fucking scene, Venom, you are so wrong. I can't even believe how wrong you are. I'm going to tell you what's actually really wrong with this movie. The thing I don't like about this movie is why is the fight scene between Godzilla and this movie so bad? Like, Mothra didn't do shit. Like, man, all this buildup. Wait, isn't that what you said? Fuck, I agree with you. 
I'm just kidding. Actually, yes, Venom is very right in everything he said. Uh, one of the biggest complaints about this movie and why people do not like this movie is the very, very disappointing kaiju action. Um, I just kind of wanted to make it funny. Um, uh, but um, there, yeah, that really, that's the biggest complaint is Mothra really doesn't do anything, um, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to choose a specific scene that I don't like. Uh, it starts with the condor scene. The condor fighting Godzilla scene is fucking awful. Mm -hmm. um it's mm -hmm. really bad um but the scene that takes me out of the movie so fucking bad is when the jet planes start attacking godzilla yep. and the music they played while just does not fit whatsoever like like this was not the time to play this music but it's not even that it's they randomly start and stop that music like three or four times <laughs> it's not even like constantly going it 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 here it is for 30 seconds, and then we're going to turn it off for a minute, and then we're going to start like it back again. Yeah, it's like a loop. Yeah, it's like they oh. only created like a minute worth of music, so they just had to keep turning it on and off instead of just looping it constantly. And it just <laughs> it, it just takes you out of the scene so fucking bad, which sucks because this is a great island adventure movie. I absolutely like love being on this island with all these characters. Uh, it's the same reason I love uh, Son of Godzilla, because a lot of people hate Son of Godzilla. Um, and I fucking love Son of Godzilla. It's a great island adventure. It's so much fun. Um, and can, I, can I ask a question real quick? Uh, I'm going to override how, what Venom said and say yes. I was just going to ask, uh, how would you guys feel if it was actually a Kong movie? Would the action be better? Because I, I see like Godzilla's kind of doing Kong-like things in this movie too, which does get kind of awkward when he to, has rapey eyes to answer your question <laughs> no because he's fighting a goddamn shrimp well kong could fight he fought an octopus i could see him yeah an octopus shrimp. that could come on land and like bella lugosi fought an octopus anyone can fight an octopus and make it look good um <laughs> but fighting a fucking shrimp that has to stay in the water is just not good like that's why they had a volleyball scene it's not like it's not a good fight. Like it's cool when everyone was like stabbing the shit out of people, uh, and it would have been cool if like maybe it would have stabbed him in the chest or something, kind of like Biolante at least did. Yeah. But it, it just it wasn't a good fight. They 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 threw rocks at each other. Like it was kind of cool when they were underwater, but they had to keep the shots so close in and tight. Yeah, that there there <laughs> wasn't a lot to do that. Like I always hate when Godzilla fights. Um, something that flies because I just mm -hmm. don't feel like it's that entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fight with Ever is so much fucking so so worse. Yeah, it, it's just not good. I, I don't like. I love the look of this movie. I love the sound of this movie. I love the story. But when it comes to the kaiju, this is an Ultraman episode. Yeah. I, I will say I did like Ebra's design, and I know he's basically just a giant lobster, but, I mean, when you think about it, crustaceans in general are fucking terrifying. I mean, a, a crab, a lobster, a mollusk, if you look at them, they, they, they look otherworldly. They don't look like they're from our planet. I mean, have you ever seen a Japanese uh, giant spider crab? 
Those things yes. are fucking terrifying. I mean, a crab the size of a person? Fuck you. So the fact that they all that they did for Ebera was just took a lobster and made it bigger was honestly all they needed because a giant lobster would be terrifying. Um, and, you know, obviously being that he's a quote-unquote sea monster, it's going to be based around water, which is obviously advantageous for him. But I also thought that that actually helped out. Not maybe, not the underwater stuff, but the over-the-water stuff with Ebra and Godzilla, I thought looked okay. Once they actually engaged in combat, yeah, I kind of lost, I mean, I, honestly, I lost interest, which is kind of sad, because, I mean, the kaiju fight is where you're supposed to pique your interest, you know? But, mm -hmm. um, uh, but I do want to say, as much as I thought that their fight sucked, I did enjoy Ebra's design. Yeah. I think the best thing about this is like the whole destruction too of like the base with Godzilla. That's probably the best kaiju related stuff. No, the best scene in the entire movie is Godzilla playing with the claws. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> That's a valid yeah. point, Don. That's a very valid point. Uh, but y'all are right. Ebra's design is pretty cool. I do like the design. Um, yeah. I like that they gave him two different size claws, like yes. one for pounding and another for stabbing. And let's give it up for Ebra and his amazing uh, fishing technique. The way that he was able to, to stab once in the water and pull out both of those villagers on his claw bravo everyone. yeah oh another uh ms3 mst3k joke shish kebab and shish steve <laughs> loved it uh so good i highly recommend that episode it's so fucking funny uh the 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 other godzilla episode they did uh, megalon. uh godzilla megalon. vs megalon is also very funny um but yeah, uh, Godzilla's design in this movie is, eh, it gets a little eh. weird when they change heads and his eyeballs look all fucking weird and he's got high eyebrows. Um, this is just not was Godzilla's it... best look. No. And was it just me or did Godzilla actually look a little thin? Like he didn't look as thick as he usually does. And I don't, I don't want to say fat because Godzilla's not fat. No, but... that's, um, that's because they, they're using the same costume from Invasion of Astro Monster. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they deliberately slimmed down the costume to allow Nakajima to perform more. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Plus, so, he was going to be in water a lot. No. Um. Well, no, because it's the same costume from Astro Monster. And at that point, um, Nakajima was going to require far more physical activity as Godzilla. So the idea was slim it down, give it more human proportions. And if you'll notice, this is the Godzilla has the longest arms of any one, yep. any costume before. Mm -hmm. And the legs are really kind of like just like thick, like one dimensional tubes. There's like no like thickness around the thighs. He's he doesn't really have like thunder thighs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck so that, that's yeah, that's from the uh, previous costume. That's from Astro Monster, where the uh, it was deliberately ordered by the studio to slim the costume down so Nakajima's not throwing as much weight around, so he can perform it a little easier. Cool. Mm -hmm. How do how do in general how do the Godzilla fans feel about the slimmed down Godzilla suit? I mean, have you ever read anything where people? Uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like middle of the road. Okay. Yeah, like, people aren't like it's not the worst yeah. design, but it's definitely not the best. It's like no one like it's one of those movies like when you're talking about Godzilla suits, just no one talks about it because it's right. not, yeah, it's not the no worst real, and it's not the best. Yeah, gotcha. there's like no real extreme reaction one way or another. Uh, okay. The, the one sense. that 
the one that everybody always goes to in this era is either the 64 one, Mothra versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. or the 68 one, the Destroy All Monsters one. Yes, that's mine. Yep. Yeah, those are the two that everybody tends to go towards. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see, you'll see champions for uh, 62. You'll I am see... one of those. I love that's... the 62 design. Yeah, you'll see champions for the 62 one, and I think there's there's a small fan base that likes the Megalon Mechagodzilla Terror of Mechagodzilla look. There's a small percentage of people that champion that as not the best, but as an underrated design. I personally go for Terror of Mechagodzilla. I think that's the best one of the three. I, I don't like those because it makes him. He just looks a little too yeah, friendly in the face. He's a little too chubby in the face. Yeah, it's kind of. He looks kind of weird. He, he doesn't really have like a dinosaurian look. That's kind of like one of the reasons why it's like an underrated design. But yeah, um, generally, if you're going to talk about Godzilla designs, the majority are going to go 64 or 68. A few will say 62, and then even less will say 73 through 75. And no one, so, and I mean fucking no one, ever says 55. <laughs> yeah. It's like Godzilla raids again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Godzilla's counterattack. Gigantus the fire monster. No, we don't say that here. We don't talk about that. We do not speak those languages. That, I know we're I, we're not on that that movie, but like literally, the, like if you've ever looked into the story of this, it's the stupidest thing ever. Where people were like, the American distributors thought that that it would be better to rename Godzilla to Gigantus the Fire Monster, even though Godzilla had marquee value name wise. They were mm-hmm. like, no, we're gonna rename it because no one's gonna come see a Godzilla movie. You're fucking dumb. Yeah, and they did that for raids again. Yeah, yes. that's yeah, the, um, yep. yeah. The whole backstory of that's going to be so much fun to talk about. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh just to God, hear, yes. just to hear Jerry rage vent on that. Yes. Uh, if you there get it, when we get to watch that one, if you can, the commentary track for it on the classic media version, uh, classic media DVD, uh, which I do believe is on YouTube, uh, just the audio. Uh, it is one of the best commentary tracks out there. Uh, yeah, as for explaining a lot of, of stuff. That's the highlight of the set for me. That's that's the only reason why I actually watched that one. I think ever since I heard that commentary version, I don't think I've ever watched the movie without it. I do. I am. I am in the same exact fucking boat. I do not remember the last time I watched that movie by Just itself. But me. I can tell you this: I've listened to that commentary at least two or three times a year. Yeah, I've seen, I've I've heard it like two or three times. Yeah, just to try to like memorize all the information behind it. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. that one's that's, that that's so yeah, much that, fun. Yeah, the very again commentary is what sells the classic media set. So. Yeah, the commentary tracks are the best thing about the classic media ones. But uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, to bring it back on track for Venom's question. Yeah, um, the sixty-five, sixty-six costume that we see here no real strong opinions one way or another it's considered like a middle of the road one mm-hmm. people really they're like it's godzilla you know like that's basically like their entire feelings towards it yeah and people do point out this movie more for the fact that this is the turning point for godzilla where godzilla became more of a cheap production that we will see for the next all the way until destroy all monsters um and, but like the next couple of movies in the, in this era 
are all kind of low but basically the june fukuda run is for the most part really low budget um reusing effects reusing shots uh reusing suits but i think june fukuda movies have some of the best character stories as for just having fun like they're not deep and serious like the first movie but they're yeah. really fun because june fukuda is known for making like action spy movies that's what he was known for which makes so, sense i love it uh so yeah all right so we've talked about the fucking suit designs um unfortunately this movie doesn't have a lot of depth for us to talk about like it really is just kind of a fun time i will say um the Sony DVD release uh, and the Kraken Blu-ray release both look great, but you're only going to get the Japanese version and the international dub, which is mm-hmm. very boring. But you can find, uh, if you have a VHS, you'll probably find a teacher dub, which is way better. Or uh, if you look on archive.org, you will find an HD reconstruction using the Kraken Blu-ray, but the teacher dub, which is much better. Actually, pro tip, archive.org has tons of great hd reconstructions of godzilla movies um if you need a place to get a bunch of free ones you can download them from there the only problem you'll have is most of them are are very big file sizes most range between like 5 and 15 gigs depending on which one it is so but you can also find a lot of the alternative versions on there like the aip inter- uh, aip tv version and stuff like that so that i think that's really cool um yeah, does anyone have anything else they want to say on Godzilla vs. Sea Monster? Nah, it's just a fun movie, man, you know? Red Bamboo is a stupid gang name. Uh, <laughs> that's just because you don't understand uh, Asian history. Venom? You're probably right, because I, I understand that Bamboo has no real meaning in this country, but over there it probably is a bigger part of their day-to-day life, but... I don't know. Every time they would say Red Bamboo, I'm just like, it sounds like a person. It doesn't sound like an organization. Yeah, if you showed up on the streets of America, like, what click you repping, son? And you were like, motherfucking Red Bamboo, recognize. You will get laughed at. You will get laughed at because, uh, like, they are going to think you are a pussified version of the Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Man, I spent all day today watching uh, the Wu-Tang series on Hulu, and it's fucking awesome, by the way. Uh, completely sidebar. If you're into that, check that shit out. But we're here to talk about Godzilla, and I guess we're kind of done talking about Godzilla now. So uh, I think it's time for the fucking Ultraman report. Um, and great news, everyone. I'm not going to be talking that much during it. In fact, Derek is taking over for the Ultraman report. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I don't know why he said that like he's about to have sex with it. I am, because I watched this episode fucking 15 times this week just to get everything down packed. I'm in death with Fuji on this episode. I don't, I, uh, oh my god, uh, before we start this, I just want to say um, this is going to be kind of offensive, kind of rude. Uh, I apologize to the actress, uh, her family, and right. everyone, but... Um, I want to have sex with her so bad. I want to give her a pearl necklace. I, I would even be really, really down if someone made a deep fake uh, video with her um, <laughs> so that I can touch myself while watching it. Um, I, I love you. And um, I really wish I could go back to the 60s <laughs> and uh, not hear whatever sound that was, but just take <laughs> you and and take 
take my island princess from sea monster and we'll have a loving threesome together it'll be beautiful and wonderful i will i will be i will will try my best to not disappoint you um good luck exactly i make no promises um and now that i'm done with that uh derek please go ahead all righty here we go episode 14 of ultraman the pearl oyster defense force that's, this um, is one that has like three different names, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I saw Defense Force, Defense Order, and Defense Initiative. And the Pearl Oyster Protection Directive. Oh, yeah, that one too. Nice. Sounds like the, it's like the Oyster Man fucking incident. Or yeah, fucking... I also found two different airing dates. Um, the DVD says 10-10-1966. Uh, uh, online on the uh, Ultraman wiki, it said 10-16-1966. Uh, Hmm. Interesting. But anyways. Okay, the Ultraman Report, episode 14. It's the annual payday of uh the science patrol and you know I'm sorry, patrol? <laughs> patrol. Patrol. I, is is that the just the way y'all say it in Boston or I was just about to question that. Was that just his Boston accent or did he legit forget it's the science patrol and mixed it up with Patreon? all right all right here we go it's the annual payday of the science patrol and ito and fuji are going shopping in their suits and it's pretty awesome fucking fuji's just admiring pearls and she's like they're my birthstone you know and ito's like i didn't know you were into this stuff fuji yeah i'm a woman you know (laughs) a woman of the modern century Oh, oh yes, she is. Fuji, Fuji likes jewelry and gender roles. You know, I am okay with it. <laughs> She's you a know. special type of woman, Venom. You don't uh, deserve hey, her. I, I, I totally agree with you that this is probably the best she's looked, but I think it's because it's the most we got to see of her in civilian clothing, not in the science patrol costume. So, for whatever that's worth, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and Ito's like. Oh my god! And then Fuji's like, you know, why are the pearls so much now? I remember when they were like, uh, like I can't afford them my salary. I'm like, and this question is, how much does the Science Patrol make on their salary? They should be, you know, they should be making a lot of money for fighting these fucking monsters. Yeah, and do shit. they not get hazard pay? Like, aren't they a government organization? Come on, Japan. I think like, probably. I think most of that probably went to building, rebuilding their planes or something. <laughs> they go through two vehicles every episode. <laughs> That's true. They had to take a salary cut. That's probably where most of it goes. Oh, God. That's hilarious. But then the the Pearl owner, the store owner, is like, oh, yeah, we don't know what's going on. There's been a very abundance of missing Pearls, and the Pearls have been disappearing around the oceans and stuff. And Fuji's like, right away... I know what it is. It's a fucking monster. And she's fucking raging. She's got the woman's wrath. And she's going back to headquarters to investigate. And Ito's like, I gotta go see a ball game. I gotta go to a movie. I gotta go out to eat. I'm like, how are you gonna do all this in 24 hours? I'm like, damn, they must do everything when they get paid every like month or whatever. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, That's their one day off a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and fucking, uh, and then they end up, uh, going back to headquarters, and then we cut to the scene where we see uh, the last remaining oysters oh. being transported. So, uh, real quick, I, I decided, I was like, I wonder what movie he would go see. 
Um, and so, like, I, I went and looked up, like, tried to look up movies from 1966, but most of them do not have, um, like, American names. But some of the names are fucking hilarious, okay? Um, Young Boss, The Ambush. Um, New Yakuza Soldier. The Boss of Pickpocket Bay. Flower and Dragon 2. Duel at, Bo- at Dokai Bay. That's probably the one he saw. Uh, I don't know. He might have went and see Brutal Tales of Chivalry 2, the Chinese Lion, and the Penny Tattoo? Peony? Uh, but, like, a lot of them are just, like, really fucking weird uh, names. But I would like to say maybe he went and saw a Godzilla movie. Maybe he went to see Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> that would be cool. But, yeah, if you ever get bored, go look up, like, Japanese movies that came out in like 1966 because some of the names are fucking just Sleepy Eyes of Death, The Mask of the Princess, Cat Girl <laughs> Gamblers, Abandoned Fangs of Triumph. I'm just picturing, you know, in these movies now. <laughs> oh, God. Damn you, Jerry. Yeah, I, I, I had to do it. Like, like the Japanese silver chivalrous story I mentioned earlier had like Three or four different fucking movies out that year. Maybe he went to go see Gamer vs. Barugan, which is uh, my favorite of the Gamer Showa series. <laughs> and why the hell was Ide the only one walking around with her? Does he have a thing for Fuji? Because it seems, especially, you know, once we get to the end, which I won't bring up now, but uh, he is very much in the friend zone, and it's almost sad. Well, he knows not to mess with my girl. You know what I'm saying? He knows that he needs to just help her um, and and not mess with her because I will take him down. Ooh, War of the Gargantuas came out that year. Nice. Oh, that's what he went to go see. He's a big Russ Tamblyn fan. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the list of stuff that he said he wanted to do, go see a show, go see a game, get get a meal. Was he planning on doing that with her? Like, did he think that she was going to accompany him on all of that? Or was he intending on going to the movie by himself, going to dinner by himself, blah, blah, blah? Because he sounded just incredibly disappointed when she wanted to go back to work. I think it's it's just her um, enthusiasm for work versus him wanting to goof off. So uh, this is how it would go. He would uh, just be like... uh, so Ishiro Honda just put out in a new movie, and she's like, "Oh, War of the Gargantuas." Yeah, let's go see. It. He was like, "No, he just put out a movie called Come Marry Me. We should <laughs> go see that. Uh, me and you, and we'll come marry me, marry me, please." Um, which is true. He did put out a movie that year called Come Marry Me. Um, but that's how it went, and she was like, "No, there's a monster eating pearls. You knew about this, duh. It's common sense." And then she was so stoked when it actually came true. <laughs> Speaking of which, come marry me. C U M M E R R Y. C O M E, like regular. Come marry me, not I in a sexual way. Uh, I wish you would come. Come, comma, marry me. This I wish any women would come when I have sex with them. It'd be fucking great. Oh my god, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> the female right, I'm sorry. doesn't exist. I'm not saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Derek, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so after all that happened, uh, we cut to these uh, two truck drivers. They're uh, in a truck transporting the remaining oysters uh, to a located area so they could, you know, uh, 
keep them in line because they're about to go extinct pretty much because of what's going on. And they find out what's going on right at this moment after they're chit-chatting for a bit in the car. And then this giant fucking beluga fucking wheel slash alligator fucking thing comes out of them and fucking smashes them and the fucking kills them and starts ravaging the pearls. And uh, then we cut back to the science patrol and they're about, oh, the giant monster named Gamma Kajera. Did I say that right, Don? Yeah, close enough. Your accent, that's close enough. Gamma Thank Kajira. Gamma Kajira. Gamma Kajira. Yeah, that it looks like a ruthless. dog toy. Can we just say that it looks like a dog toy? Well, yeah, he looks like a dog toy, and his tongue looks like a cat tunnel. Yeah, I just want to touch him. Like, <laughs> I, I, like the texture, I want to touch him. It I looks like to, so satisfying to I, touch I, him I, and squeeze I, him. I wanted to squeak him and throw him to my dog. Yeah, squeak him. He probably does squeak when you squeeze him. <laughs> oh, God. It's pretty bad. I, like it, it looks okay in the ocean, but when he's fucking on land, you can see like all the extra layers that he has. It, it looks like he talks. He's just like, hi, guys. You sound, you sound, I, I picture you would have like the voice of the dude with the international dog. Hi there, guys. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? I just feel like he'd be dumber than that. Like he doesn't have it. He seems like he's really lazy. Like, hi guys. Yeah. How are you doing tonight? I'm so dumb. Actually, actually, fucking funny story, real quick. I had to, you know, like, do you ever watch Monster Highland Buddies? Yeah. Oh. Fucking, you know, Ebra's voice in the head show. Oh no. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't wanna do it. Sounds like Cleveland Brown. Kind of. <laughs> but I don't I don't I don't watch football, so I don't know anything about the Cleveland Browns. You racist piece of shit. <laughs> before uh, before we move on, there was something that I wanted to bring up now that we're right at this point. Um I'm not sure if this particular episode had a new cinematographer, but did you guys notice some of the very interesting shot selections throughout this episode? Yeah, that's the yeah. uh, director. That's the okay because um, yeah, that's that, the director. That's um, Akio Jasoji. Okay, because yeah. the very first one was the one of the two guys driving the truck, where the camera's actually pointed at the blind spot mirror, reflecting their image. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just use the regular rear view mirror? Why are you using the bubble? That's the that's the blind spot. That's yeah. what I meant to say. The blind spot mirror. Yeah. Actually, it, I noticed it earlier than that when. Uh, they're still shopping and they're walking down the street and they're talking about like what could like it, like it, when uh Ito's kind of like oh I guess it's just a fucking monster. There's a shot of them walking and like you kind of can't even see them because there's like just a car parked randomly and mm-hmm. the camera's kind of like behind the car following them. And I was just <laughs> like that is such an interesting shot. Like I really like this shot. Well, and throughout one- the rest of the episode, you notice it. Yeah. There's one even earlier than that. It's in the store in the very first scene. There's a reflection where where Fuji and Ito are reflected in the pearls on, on the display stand yes. and yep. they're talking to the camera they're talking to the sales counter who's in the background in the main shot, but then Fuji and Ito they're reflected on the pearls in the display case. They're they're not in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see really Fuji odd. and Ito. You see Fuji and Ito reflected in the pearls on the display case, but then you see the counter guy talking to them in the background, who's regular size. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's the uh, that's the uh, director Akio Jasoji. Yeah, this and, is the fir- 
this is the first of several episodes actually that he did mm-hmm. and he's um during that time he actually graduated from doing special effects shots uh, special effects shows and he started doing um like regular traditional art house movies mm-hmm. yeah um, that makes sense yeah um, yeah. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to make it sound like I hated every shot because there were some shots that were actually great. Uh, specifically, the shot of Fuji on the radio trying to contact headquarters, and yes. you can see that window above her shoulder, yeah. and, and there's yeah. Gamakujita right behind her. That shot right. is actually stellar. Yeah, that's yeah. one. Of, that's the one I was. That's the one that I like. But so yeah, yeah that's interesting is all like there's some really good shots and there's some that you're like questioning why did you go with that shot so so you could tell it's it's like a new director or like i said i thought cinematographer but yeah that makes sense new director mm-hmm. yeah it's and i new... do want to say um with all the mirror shots it, super Raya, like should have just let him direct every episode of mirror man <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> but anyways so the science patrol know that this monster is on patrol so they're getting ready to go out and they be like Fuji are you okay it's a woman's wrath and her eyes look bloodshot and all pissed off she's like you're fucking with my birthstone motherfucker <laughs> And that's a weird shot too, or not so much the shot, but just the the um, the decision by the director to hold on Fuji's face for that long because she's just staring, giving the the side eye to to Gamakujita, and the shot stays on her face for like a good four or five seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in television terms, it's a lot. And I found it strange. It's like, is she falling in love with him, or is she pissed off at him? Like I wasn't, I couldn't read her face. It was weird. What the hell is that? But anyway, <laughs> I was trying to look up something about Mirror Man, and it was one of the sites that like decided to just start playing shit. <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Yeah, so they end up going in their super powered jet and start fighting uh, Gamajera through uh, this air, and then we find out he has a very interesting defense mechanism. Where he fucking decides to shoot fucking heat rays out of his fucking blowhole, like, <laughs> and then it damages the ship, and they have to end up landing. And uh, they call headquarters to get more reinforcements while they do repairs on the ship. And they end up spending the night with Gamakajira on the other side of the island, uh, just chilling. And they have during the bonfire scene, uh, they start hearing this weird noise. And uh, I believe it's Harashi who's like, I know that noise. It's like a cow. It chews the pearls at night. And this pisses Fuji right off. She runs right to the beach <laughs> and is like, starts bowing to him like, Come on, Kajira, please just give me fucking one. And all the guys are like, what the fuck is up with her? The, their reactions are priceless. Like Ito is like, they're all looking at Ito like, ah, don't look at me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> It's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I like that scene a lot. <laughs> and fucking, and then it goes to the next night. They got another plane to help with their counterattack, where they're gonna end up fighting the monster again, because it's ended up going to journey off and start to go into the major cities to search for more pearls. So we have Hayata in one ship, and the rest of the crew in like the main ship, and they start doing like a nice counterattack to try to 
getting away from that heat ray that comes out of his blowhole in the top of his head. Uh, and it works for the most part, besides until he starts to submerge. So they decide to use guided balloons again, which we haven't seen in a while. The last time we saw those was in that one with uh, Red King. Uh, not Red King. Uh, what was the, what's the name of the little monster there that was in that episode? Red Pigmon. King. Pigmon. Pigmon. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Don. And, uh, you know, they're just chilling, and there's, like, underwater. Kind of remind me of Jaws. I wonder if Spielberg saw this episode <laughs> when I saw it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. That's fair. Yeah. It's like in, uh... So they start throwing bombs on him. It doesn't work, and then they decide, it's time to start doing the electric net defense situation where they have this giant net attach to both ships, and they capture the monster and threw him in the air and start electrocuting him. Uh, it's not really doing anything, though, and uh, pretty much what ends up happening after that is uh, the monster ends up crashing Hayata's ship, and Hayata is injured on the beach. This laying there, of course. What else is new, Hayata? <laughs> and then, uh, of course, the monster ends up going to this... This turns into humanoids from the deep for a minute because there's like this group of girls on the beach just swimming and having fun. And the monster's like, You got pearls? I need my pearls, motherfucker. <laughs> and then fucking, you know, they're like all running, ah, running away, and the car gets stuck in the mud. It's pretty fucking funny and it's fucking awesome. And, and then they're on the land and they're trying to see what they could do. We must fight this monster and stop it. And they decide we must do one more defense. And they're like, Pearl Bombs! Why didn't we use these before? <laughs> you know? And then they have these Pearl Bombs and they go back in the ship and, of course, uh, Harashi and... Uh, it's weird in the translation because in the subtitles it's not even talking about it because in the dub they're talking about, it's gonna go find Hayata, but they're talking about the Pearl Bombs and the subtitle version if that makes sense because like, i was reading the sub the actual subtitles with it so it was kind of jarring how different like the dub is to the subtitles sometimes <laughs> so that ends up happening and uh they use the pearl bombs and you know they're like and the ones inside them start going off too and then they find out uh this doesn't work and it actually makes him stronger and shit and he starts standing this is the first time he actually ends up standing on his uh, hind legs, and uh, Fuji finds Hayata, he's injured, and Hayata has the bright idea, you must get, like, this small engine rocket and attach it and use it. And uh, they end up doing that, and uh, what's <laughs> happening is there's, like, this giant rocket attached to the fucking plane, and they shoot it, and it goes right in the fucking monster's ass. <laughs> and I just want to say, this is uh, a common thing in the South. Um, lots of people uh, shove rockets up frogs' asses and try to launch them into space in the South. Oh, this is a common thing. So, just putting that out there. And, oh. it, and this is when it turns into the dog chew toy more. And you see this fucking <laughs> dog chew toy and this fucking toy rocket fucking shooting in the air. And this is when it's time for Hayata to take out the beta capsule and turn to Ultraman. So, Don, take it away, buddy. Okay, Ultraman takes to the sky as the science patrol arrives on the scene looking for Hayata. 
He approaches the helpless creature struggling against the rocket, flying through, flying it through the air, only to suddenly make a U-turn and head for Ultraman. Putting his arms back, the two beings collide and explode in a fiery crash, which allows Ultraman to fly away unscathed. <laughs> Woo! Whoa, that was long. Don, can you shorten them up? They're going on too long. I'll do my best. <laughs> So, the, I miss the sexual explicit ones that he used to do, like the plant one. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, you already talked about the rocket up the fucking creature's ass. The creature's yeah, already been on, sexually yeah. assaulted. Okay, so yeah, my on, question, my question is: once the rocket was in Gamakujita's ass. Was he controlling the direction that he went? Like, was he actually using it as a booster? Like, like, did he actually perform that? You U-turn? underestimated his ass muscles. That's what I mean. He's got. Spe- <laughs> he, he must do kegels because he's got. But spectacular it's. It's muscles. so weird. He looks so fucking dumb in the face. Like when you look at him and you think about what's in his head, all I can think about is that song, comma, 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 chameleon. Except instead of saying that, it's Gama 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 Kajiria. His eyes rocket in my ass. Oh, and speaking of his fucking speaking of his eyes, did y'all notice that scene? Like, I think it's right before, right? I think it's right after he gets the balloon tags on him, where he's going on water. His eyes start filling with water, and one of them shorts out. Yep, yep. I noticed it. I noticed it on like the last watch I did. I was like, holy shit. Also, I want to say. Uh, I don't know why I noticed it. We've talked about it before. But um, this episode makes me realize Hayata could really save uh, the science patrol a lot of money, a lot of time. He could keep all his friends out of dangerous situations by just going, by the way, guys, I'm Ultraman. And when the monster shows up, I'm just going to turn into Ultraman and fuck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's pretty you know? Fun. I, you know, it's pretty fucking funny. Like, I, I mean, this I is... Was, this is... This is now the 14th time this has happened, and no one on the Science Patrol is any wiser. That makes me kind of question their uh, brain power. Because, I mean, hell, it only took uh, MJ a half a movie to figure out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, uh, the new the new Spider-Man. Whereas the, these, I mean, 14 episodes, and you can't figure out that Hi- Hayata's not around when Ultraman's there. And that he magically reappears when Ultraman leaves. I mean, I understand it's the 60s, you know, suspension of disbelief, blah, blah, blah. But goddamn, how dumb are Science Patrol? <laughs> you know, maybe we need to have Hayata and Fuji well, here's uh, the thing. kiss here's the... with, like, Fuji wearing a very see-through, like, shirt. And it's raining and I can play Hayata. And yeah, but that's just for you. Spider-Man kiss. That doesn't, well, that doesn't help the audience. Well, it the will thing. help her figure out who Ultraman is. Well, here's the thing, Venom. You're talking about a, a, a corporation whose greatest plan is to shoot a rocket up a creature's ass. Yeah, that's their yeah, ultimate high-end, high you that's know. That's their last defense. That's their last resort. Yeah. And hey, how yeah. they could not beat a monster whose only superpower is a blowhole? Mm. <laughs> Amazing. It's great. <laughs> and, you know, I was just dying laughing that whole fucking flight, and they just start playing chicken, and they're like, boom! 
I was. It's funny because Ultraman is actually getting me to dislike four-legged kaiju. Because every time there's a four-legged kaiju, it just seems like the suit is too big. It's folding over itself. I mean, if you look very carefully, there was one shot in today's episode where uh, Gamma Kojira's foot actually folded over on itself when it took a step, and it didn't even react. Whereas if we did that as a human, you would scream in pain. So it's just... I, you know, it seems like because it's a four-legged kaiju, they purposely make it a little bit bigger so the actor has more mobility. But I, it's almost counterproductive because it just looks yeah. terrible. God, how is he going to react to Gavadon next episode? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? I, when I was doing my research on uh, on Gama Kajira, uh, on the wiki, it, has, it says subtitle, Tide Wipe Monster. Tide Wipe? Tide, like as in a tidal wave, tide. Wipe, as in wiping your ass after a rocket went into it. Monster. (laughs) Ah, that's great. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? And then like under its like powers, superpowers, it goes, it has a water spout that can release high pressured water. And it has a really long tongue. (laughs) It's like, great, fucking thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that tongue was that was also counterproductive. Like they they should have come up with melted. like, yeah, I mean, they should have come up with some kind of uh, creature with a trunk or something like an elephant's trunk, and you tried doing what, something with that because that what, tongue was awful. You know what it honestly looks like on the first glimpse? It looked like a straw vagina. Yeah, no, I'll go with that. Attached to a cat tunnel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, as we like kind of kind of diss on this i do want to talk about a scene i i, I really want to compliment the sound design of them around the campfire is really good between the fire cracking the yeah. talking and then the 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 pearl chewing noise the pearl chewing uh like that sound design was really fucking solid yeah and honestly i do like the aspect of you know even if the fight itself sucked this is a pretty i think it's actually a better episode of the science patrol working together you know, I think like, it's great because it was a Fuji episode. Yeah, that too. You know, it's good character development to have characters that we don't really spend a lot of time on. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh, we didn't even finish what happens at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Okay, so after that, Ultraman flies off, and then it cuts to uh, this lovely music playing, and Fuji's trying on her pearls, and she's like, "They're my best, don't you know?" And then it cuts to. Uh, inner city Japan or wherever they are, and uh, Ito's carrying nine thousand fucking packages. And uh, Fuji, could you help me? And Fuji's like, "Fuck you, motherfucker." Friend zone. <laughs> and then one, the... yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying he ain't never getting nothing from Fuji. If she's got him carrying all those boxes and she's not carrying one, yeah, he's ne- he's not getting within three feet of that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how it ends. It cuts to dark. And he's like, oh, like one of the packages is about to fall. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. I I always feel bad for, you know, when I see like characters in the friend zone because it's just, oh, God, because I, I was that blind, too. And I, I, I kick myself every time for being that blind. Ugh. Yeah, same here. It happens. <laughs> oh, it happens a lot. Not me. I get fucking pussy, son. I get laid. I be out there <laughs> slaying it. Like, y'all don't even know. I mean, I've been with the same woman for 10 years. But before that, fucking out there working it. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I mean, I disappointed them all, so I only got laid by them once each time, but it still counts. Hey, a minute and a half of sex is still sex. So, oh, yeah, by the time... That, tell that to Peg. No, no, by, by the time that she figures out that I've got a small penis and I don't know how to work it, I've already come. So, you know, I'm already gone. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um... But oh, any, but anyways, that's the end of the episode, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, what do you, what did you guys, uh, Jerry, uh, Mr. Uh, Heron, what did you think? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can just say the the Jerry that gets pussy, um, as I have established that. Uh, no, I, I really liked the episode actually. Uh, the monster looks dumb. How they beat the monster is dumb. But uh, Fuji was getting it, and that's all I care about. Like, I love character-centric episodes because I like to, I, I like knowing a little bit more. And, and it was nice to have, you know, Fuji out here rocking pearl necklaces and just, you know, looking fine. And, like, she's an independent woman who don't need no man except to carry her packages. <laughs> but I, I had fun with the episode. Nice, nice. Uh, Don, Don. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a traditional just, you know, Science Patrol finds a monster and spends half the episode trying to stop it, only to rely on Ultraman to finish the job, literally. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you have, a, you have several great confrontations with it. Um, you, you learn a lot about Fuji, which is a nice little side story. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, I would have wanted, you know, a battle between Ultraman and Gamma Kujira, but... Uh, after seeing that costume, I'm not entirely sure how that would have worked. So true that. Yeah, I want to see Ultraman mount it. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait for Skydon. I'll just see that. <laughs> yeah, for real, because they reused the costume there. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> we'll bring that up on that episode. Oh about boy. A year from now. That's awesome. Uh, Venom. Um, despite. Uh, Gamma Kajira just looking terrible, and despite the fight making very little sense to me, um, especially the ending. Like I still don't know what happened when they butted heads in the in the sky, and suddenly there's a random explosion, and one one is gone and one is unscathed. I don't know. It's just, it's a well, lot now, of suspension of disbelief. Now now you know how all women feel when they have sex with me. It's okay. this episode. There's a whole <laughs> lot of foreplay. Uh, 30 seconds of something happening and they're really confused. Exactly. So, but despite all of that, um, despite the weak kaiju and the weak kaiju battle, I actually really, really like this episode. Um, not necessarily just because we get to see a lot more Fuji, but just getting to see the science, any of the science patrol outside of a science patrol situation, seeing that they're real people, that they're relatable. They like to shop. They like to go to the movies and eat dinner and blah, blah, and, or go out to eat. Excuse me. We all like to eat dinner, but, um, it just it adds a certain humanity to the characters that you know I that I didn't have before the episode and just like today's movie, uh, the human story here I thought was stellar and you know really carried the episode much more than the kaiju threat. So mm -hmm. so yeah, despite the weak kaiju, dude, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of Ultraman uh, just because of getting to see more Science Patrol. Nice, nice, same here, man. I always dug this one. Uh, and you know, after I watched it 15 times, or prep for <laughs> writing notes on it, you know, I wasn't bored each time. You know, I like Fuji, get him. I want, you know, I want to fucking Fuji just take that fucking beta capsule and become Ultra Woman. 
fucking killing us. You know, that would have made the episode even better. Like, I would see Fuji, like, ripping the fucking thing's jar open and shit. Yeah, of... but if 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 if, uh, if she became, like, um, Mrs. or Ultra Woman, I'm pretty sure Jerry would ruin a pair of pants. <laughs> True it would make It would make me buy a beta capsule vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the Ultraman report, guys. <laughs> it's got a little sleazy and dirty <laughs> Uh, yeah, this episode was more of a relaxed, fit, fun episode. We kind of loosened up a bit, uh, you know, said some things we shouldn't have said in a situation that's recorded. And, and it's usually me that says here. those things. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me tonight, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll, of course, see you next episode for a non-Godzilla episode. Oh, actually, actually, uh, actually next... we're doing Ultraman. Yeah, next episode is nothing but fucking Ultraman. Each one of us are going to... Uh, do our own Ultraman uh, episode with, um, I guess someone's going to have to take over the uh, Ultraman fight for Don. But for the most part, we'll still let Don do his fight breakdowns. Someone will just have to do his fight breakdown. Maybe we'll make Derek do it because that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll all do that and um, we'll figure it out. That'll be the next episode. It's episode 15, all Ultraman, all motherfucking day. Uh, uh, swag Ultraman to the moon. Um and, uh, yeah, that's our episode for this week. So now let's get into what we all got coming out. Uh, you know, we're going to promote ourselves, pimp ourselves. This is the part where you get to hear all the fun episodes that you can go listen to that we all talk on. So, Derek, what do you got? Uh, of course, uh, Cinema Attack is finally coming back to the return of Cinema Attack. Starts out next week. That should be out. And we also have an episode of celluloid dissections out there on peter jackson's bad taste with me and miss carly check that episode out it was a fun time talking about that movie with her as always it was for again the first time watch for her and discovering movies for the first time i dig that aspect of the, our show uh another thing that of course uh, no more room in hell which should be recorded next sunday should be coming up with me and mr venom and uh to show i uh chose so that's always awesome right venom look out for aliens oh yeah <laughs> we're gonna be talking about without warning and the deadly spawn can't wait to get into those and uh you know that's about it i have a few guest appearances coming up uh coming up in the future uh kind of keeping those a little hush hush for now until uh they actually get recorded and get released kind of want to surprise people but that's about it for me. Okay. Uh, Don, what do you got coming up? All right. Um, contrary to what I've been saying for the last month, um, Horror Mafia is not doing Lords of Salem. Um, Joey apparently got uh, Cabana Fever and uh, decided to pull a switcheroo on us. So uh, instead, we are going to be doing the Banana Splits. Ah! Uh, you know what? Okay. You know what? Joey. Uh, we're about to make an offer you can't refuse. Uh, you will wake up with a horse head in your bed, uh, cement shoes, and then when next time you go to sleep, it'll be with the fishies. We want our Lords of Salem, uh, and you will, will fucking make it happen somehow. I'm so tired of Don coming on here, exciting me with Horror Mafia news, 
only to take it away. If I offer for you to come over to my house and I'm like, yo, I got the spaghetti, I got the gobble la gloosh and whatever fake Italian words you use, and, and I get there and it's fucking hot dogs, I'm kind of pissed off. I'm a little irritated at that. So uh, quit fucking around with Don's feelings. Quit breaking my heart, you fucking Fredo, and make this shit happen. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, we'll come back to it. Um, come back, motherfucker. Yeah, we'll come back with that. Um, other than that, um, we are in the final stages of the releases for uh, my Summer of Shark uh, series on NFW. Um, I think the newest one is uh, Sharknado 2, the second one. Woo! Yeah, because y'all have dropped Meg, Piranha, and Sharknado 2. I think those are the three recent ones I've seen. Yeah, um, we did Piranha 2. Oh, Piranha 2, the spawning. Yeah, uh, Piranha James 2, Cameron's, the spawning. Yeah, we did James that James Cameron's best movie. Exactly. Um, we did that. We did um, Go Shark, The Meg, and I think then we did um, the original the original Piranha. Yeah. And then uh, now the new one is Sharknado 2. And then the last one that's going to be coming out next time next time after this one is going to be uh, The Beast, the miniseries from Peter Benchley. Oh, yeah, the Peter Benchley one. Nice. Yeah, that's the uh, last one that I did with them. So nice. that's our uh, Summer of Sharknado, Summer of Sharks slash Sea Creatures. Yeah, you see what you're doing, Joey? You're making them go down to a lower podcast like NFW and doing commentaries <laughs> instead of a high-quality movie discussion that breaks d- down the the racial divide and the history of of oppression that you would see in in, in these thought-filled invi- I'm just kidding, it's Horror Mafia. Um, I, I'm Slater. Uh, I can't wait for Horror Mafia to come back. Um... Poor Bill's probably just sitting around jacking off the Twitch streams because he's got nothing better to do because y'all won't record. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Um, so, fuck. Okay, Venom, what you got? All right, I am very happy to announce the return of the horror cast. We recorded our first episode in six months. Uh, we had a discussion on creepy kids in horror cinema from Rhoda, you know, from Rhoda in the Bad Seed all the way up to this year's The Prodigy. Would uh, you say you like the creepy kids uh, more than you like the goofy kids in kaiju movies? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I don't think it's even close. <laughs> um, and then uh, on that episode, our, uh, our two movie reviews are for Alice Sweet Alice and uh, 2019's The Hole in the Ground. Uh, that episode is being edited as we speak and should be out sometime next week, potentially the week after. It'll definitely be mid to late September. Uh, no More Room you know, in Hell. Funny oh. enough, I used to know a girl who was very sweet named Alice, but we just called her Hole in the Ground. Interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh. I'm full of bad jokes tonight. Continue, no, yeah. room, no more room in hell. No more room in hell, as Derek already mentioned. Uh, our last episode, we looked at a couple of werewolf movies. Or, excuse me, no. We looked at a couple of Joe D'Amato movies. I was about uh, to say, uh, sir. I'm, I'm no. way behind, yeah. <laughs> uh, we looked at anthropo- anthropophagus, excuse me, and Absurd, its spiritual sequel. 
Uh, on the next episode, as we already mentioned, we're going to be looking at a couple of alien invasion films that should be fun, both from the early 80s, uh, one of them with a really stellar cast. And these will both be first time watches for me. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, latest episode of with, Fresh. Without warning, that's the one where the poster looks like it's Freddy Krueger on it. Uh, I think I, so. maybe. Every time I see the poster for Without Warning, I have to remind myself that it's an alien movie and not a Freddy Krueger ripoff movie. Because the poster, <laughs> like on the poster, like look at it. It looks like Freddy Krueger. It looks like it has a glove. Looks like it. Like it looks like it. Well, well, well. Funny enough, it came out before Freddy was even a thing. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Like Eighty-one, yeah. right? Eighty. Eighty. Yeah. Eighty. Cool. Yeah, um, I think it was right around the same time that the uh, inspiration with the kids were being killed. I think it's the same time. So it's the inspiration for Freddy rather that rather than actual Freddy. So cool. All right. On um, No More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts. The the last episode we looked at the recently released theatrical movie um, Ready or Not. Uh, JP from Twenty Two Shots of Moods and Horror was our guest on that episode. Our next episode, which actually records in two nights, we're going to be looking at. Probably the biggest horror release of the year, It Chapter 2. Uh, not 100% sure who our guests are going to be, but I'm sure we're going to have a couple because I'm, I'm positive a lot of people in the community are going to have a lot to say about this film, including myself. I've already seen it twice. I'm going to watch it one more time tomorrow before we record on Tuesday. So I got all my Easter eggs and everything collected for the episode. So that should be fun. Look for that later this week after this episode is released. Uh, on the latest episode of Theme Warriors, we looked at underdog stories where the underdogs lose. The episode actually was released last week. Uh, I know I had been that that's another episode that I had been talking about for the last couple of months. But because of scheduling issues, it just took us a while to get together and record it. But it is recorded. It is out in the ether. So check that out. Our next episode, which records sometime in late September, is going to be. Uh, movies based on foreign TV shows. So we're going to have uh, four movies in that uh, particular subgenre. So, you know, uh, without releasing any actual titles, look for stuff like um, potentially movies based on anime, uh, movies based on like Monty Python or Mr. Oh, B, okay. stuff like that. I was kind of like, I was trying to figure, I was like, so are they going to talk about like, 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 was we were talking about TV shows? I was like, yes. huh. I really can't think of any uh, like an American movie that's based off a oh, yeah. TV show. Like, it, like I well, I mean, I guess I've Ghost got in I've the got shell. a list. Of, I've got a list of like forty of them. Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a fucking that's a niche topic if I've heard it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great. You gotta give us some of them off the air so we don't. You know, I want to hear some of these titles. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. let you know as soon as they're solidified. Um, uh, where are we here? And. The last one I'll discuss is uh, the Slice and Dice Dreadcast, which I, I do with Joey from the Horror Mafia, who, of course, has been on vacation. So the For same two delays... years now. <laughs> so the same delays that the Horror Mafia is experiencing, we're also experiencing on Slice and Dice Dreadcast. We hope to have that episode recorded before the end of this month. Uh, we already know what the next episode is going to be, so I really want to get on top of that as soon as we can. So look for that. And and then the last, which I'm not going to talk about, I will um, I will defer to my partner. But 
my latest podcasting venture um, started this week. And I, as I said, I'm going to defer to Mr. Herring as he is my co-host on that one. So go ahead, Jerry. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with that one. So a, a big passion project uh, me and Venom have been working on for months now. Uh, finally came to fruition. We put out our first episode. It is called Cult Unknown, where Venom and I are going to be looking at many, many of topics in the supernatural, cryptozoology, occult, blah, blah, blah. We dropped our first episode ever on Bigfoot, where we uh, not only talk about the history of Bigfoot, theories of Bigfoot, stories of Bigfoot, but we also review the movie Exist from 2014. Uh, and then we also in the movie talking about SCPs. And if you don't know what SCPs are, check it out because you will find out. And it's very fucking interesting. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a very like huge thing. Like we took so many notes. We like, we used what half the notes we have. If that less for me. Yeah. Cause we, we could have went on for like three or four hours. Yeah. We really could have, but we're trying, we are going to try to keep it under two hours uh, we're not going to cover everything, but we are going to cover some of the most interesting stuff. So uh, check us out, Cult Unknown. It is obviously on the same feed as this, Kill the Cast. Uh, and you can check us out and, and let us know what topics you want us to cover. And uh, I, I'm just super excited about it. I re like. I feel like we really like nailed the first episode, knocked it out. We, we still have some experimenting to do to figure it out. But uh, this is a, a, a much bigger show. Like We had to... like involve like it was like two weeks straight of nothing but bigfoot for us <laughs> uh it, it, it's it's a lot of work it, it's it's more work than doing a regular podcast so uh it doesn't have a set schedule it'll kind of release whenever uh we have time to put the effort into it but we both really enjoy it so uh it'll come out more frequently than horror mafia <laughs> We're just gonna make fun of Joey until he feels so guilty that he has that he to actually, record. That he actually listens to this. Oh yeah, you're right. He don't listen to this. I can he's talk like, all the shit I want. He's like, he's like, fuck, there. He gave me things. Yeah. Um, and then shit. Uh, I also did a started another podcast, um, which is called Atomic Age Saucer Cast, where we're going to talk about that that Atomic Age of movies. Um, uh, that you saw mostly in the 50s, a little bit in the 40s, a little bit in the 60s, mostly in the 50s, of all those great science fiction movies. The first one we did was from 1959 called uh, Invisible Invaders. And uh, I am joined by Court Psyops from Cinema Psyops and Darren Wilson from the Psychosemantic Podcast as we dig into these movies and how they represent our fears of communism and uh, the nuclear arms race. So that's really fun. If you dig old school science fiction movies, definitely come check that out with us. Uh, you will have a good time. Um, we don't get deep political, but there are some political jabs in there. But it's it's not it's it's not like psychosemantic podcast where it gets super deep. It's just as it pertains to the movie, we talk about it. So it's more mm -hmm. like about communism. Um, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, for Kill the Cast, we put out our Horror Coliseum for the summer, which uh, was, of course, Jaws 3D versus Jaws the Revenge. Um, that was a fun fucking episode, and I'm super happy with how it turned out. Um, you have to check it out because I say that Jaws the Revenge is the hereditary of shark movies, and you need an explanation for that? Well, you'll have to listen. It was a lot of fucking fun. 
And I'm really surprised with uh, the reaction I got out of Jay and Kenneth for these two movies. Um, and then the next episode of Kill the Cast is a bonus episode uh, where we're going to jack the Fresh Cuts uh, deal and actually do a review of it, uh, Chapter 2, um, which I think it'll actually come out before Fresh Cuts. But uh, definitely check out Fresh Cuts because... Let's be honest, no one, and I mean fucking no one, actually goes and see the movies four times to review it uh, in two days like uh, Mr. Venom does. <laughs> so he gets you those details you are not getting anywhere else if you went and saw it opening weekend. So definitely go check that out. We'll be dropping ours also. And um, uh, do, 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 uh, I don't know what the ne next official big episode of Kill the Cast is after that, but... Uh, we are coming back with Jerry Hates Action dropping this month on the fucking Matrix. We are doing the first Matrix movie nice. for Jerry Hates Action because that's Jay's favorite movie of all time, and I think it sucks. So <laughs> that's going to be fun. Now, I haven't seen it since, like, the early 2000s. Have I changed my mind? Will I still think they just ripped off a bunch of shit from Ghost in the Shell? We will find out. Um, and, uh, I think that's about it. Um, like, I, I don't know what I've got coming up next. We haven't picked, uh, what the next topic for, um, a lot of the shows are playing it by ear right now. Um, so fuck yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening, uh, to our visions from Monsterland. Stay uh, away from those rockets in your ass. Don't put rockets in your ass and don't eat pearls. Uh, Fuji marry me. Make sure uh, you have proper back support when you're carrying a bunch of presents for a girl who won't have sex with you. Um, you know, simple things like that. Make sure you got back support, guys. We love y'all. Uh, Don, hit him with hit him with that Shreonk real quick. Shreonk. Yeah, Shreonk. I said Shreonk because I want a Shreonk. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna stop. Uh, I'm gonna stop embarrassing myself and, and my co-host and everything like that. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and please, if you love Venom and I, please go check out Cult Unknown. Um, if you have any interest in that kind of topic, go check it out. I know you want to hear shit about Bigfoot. It's like an hour and 40, 45 minutes long. So fucking get deep with us. Talk about theories. Can Bigfoots camouflage themselves? Find out. And oh, yeah. that's it. We are out. Love all you guys. Uh, peace, love, and uh, I don't know. Comma, 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 chameleon? <laughs> His eyes are crossed. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a wide spread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. 
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.